0: Last week, we introduced uh, that we were starting a new series in the Gospel, excuse me, in the letters of John. And uh, we're going to actually start looking at the first letter of John together today. And so if you want to follow along with us, um, you can scan this QR code and uh, can follow right along with the scriptures we're going to cover this morning. Is that my mic, Dustin? Oh my good? We'll get that worked out. Um, So if you want to follow along with us in the Bible app, you can do that by scanning this QR code or you can open up the Bible app, go to the menu and click live events and you can follow along with us there. Um, Or there's a Bible underneath your seat or the one in front of you and you can follow along in 1 John with us there. Um, We're gonna begin in the very first few verses of John and um, we're gonna read those together as we get started with this series. And so let's look at that together. First John chapter one, starting in verses one through four. This is what John says. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaimed also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete." Now, on the surface, this seems like a pretty basic introduction or opening to a letter from someone who was a personal eyewitness to Jesus. But it's more than that. This is an opening that sets up, sets the stage for the entire letter and therefore sets the stage for our entire series as we're going to go through and study all three letters that John wrote. And so I want to take a little more of an in-depth look at this beginning, at this introduction, at the opening of this letter uh, that's going to set the stage for our time together over the coming weeks as we read Uh, the entire letter and study it more in depth. And so we're just going to break it down into a few smaller sections to look at what John is really trying to communicate and how that impacts us personally. And we start with just the very, very beginning. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Now, if you're familiar with John, one of the original followers and apostles of Jesus, if you're familiar with some of his other writings, like the Gospel of John, then you're going to notice some similarities. There are some key words that John really likes to use, that he's going to start using on repeat, um, that kind of give us a clue at what he really prioritizes, what he finds really valuable. So this is how he opens his first letter, but let's look how he opens his gospel and you're going to notice some similarities. And so this is how his gospel begins as he's writing about the life and the ministry of Jesus in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made in him was life and the life was the life of men. Now, I don't know if you caught it, but in the opening to the gospel and in the opening to the letter, there are some similarities. So things that John is going to find foundational, that he wants to lay up front as he begins to make his appeal to anyone who's going to be reading either his gospel or his letters. That he wants to go back to the root, to the beginning, not just the beginning of the church, not just the beginning of John's life, not the beginning of Jesus's life, but to the beginning of all beginnings. And he wants to focus on this word, this word that was life. But not only does he want to go back to the beginning, not only does he want to focus on this word from the very beginning that was life, we're going to switch because I was told from the back to switch. So (laughs) this will probably be better and less distracting. So... um, so now does he want to go back to the beginning to focus on this word, to focus on this life? But John's also going to make a personal connection. So in the beginning of his gospel, he begins by talking about the beginning, but then he goes to this in verse 14. But that word, that word that was life in the light of men, that word that was from the very beginning, that word became flesh. That word began to dwell among us and we have seen him and we have seen his glory, glories of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And So as a foundation, we're going to set from the very beginning, this word and this life, but it wasn't just a word and a life that was disconnected or ethereal, but a word and a life that became flesh. This is exactly how he continues in his letter. So we looked at this first part in verse one. As he closes this first verse concerning that word of life, he says this. And the life was made manifest and we have seen it. And we testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. Now, have you noticed how keen John is on making sure that everyone knows that he has seen Jesus, that he's heard Jesus, that he was around with the physical, actual Jesus, that he not only saw him, but got to experience him? I mean, just in these first couple of verses, look, look at all the things he said. We have heard, we have seen with our eyes, we have looked upon, we have touched with our hands. This life was manifested. We have seen it. It was manifested to us. We have seen and heard. Now, why why so much attention on this? Well, we're going to pause that question for a minute. We'll get back to that in just a few. But let's keep looking at this introduction. And we'll go on to the second part of verses. Verse three and then into four. So that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So now John tells us his main motiva- motivating factors in why he's writing this letter. Why John chose to write this. And the first is because he, what he has seen And what he has experienced, he wants to share it with others so that they can experience that same fellowship with the Father and with the Son, and ultimately with him as well. So John's most obvious goal is fellowship, but it's deeper than that. Because it's not just any regular fellowship that you would have with anyone else. Your next-door neighbor, for our Timberline students, your roommates the people you work with, this isn't just regular fellowship. This is fellowship that is shared with the father and son. This is gospel centered fellowship. And so one of John's motivating factors for writing this letter is that he wants those who are going to read it and hear it to be invited into gospel centered fellowship. Gospel centered fellowship is crucial to the Christian life. Our Christian life, our walk with the Lord, the relationship we have with the Father and the Son is very, very personal. But it was never designed to be private. At no point was your faith designed to be just between you and God. Just a private thing. It's personal, no doubt about it. Because God loves you God created you. God knit you together. What makes you unique was a design by God, and he loves you, and he loves those unique things about you. Jesus died for you personally, but while your faith is personal, it's never designed to be private. One of the things that we're launching at Valley Life this September, something that the life of this church has done for years, It's what we call journey groups. Journey groups are not a Bible study. Now we do those too. Matter of fact, we have a Bible study that starts tonight. um, And we are going to be going through a book by a guy named J.D. Greer called Jesus Continued. And uh, if you're interested, we would love for you to join us. We're gonna read the book together. Uh, We'll study scriptures that are relevant to what the book is talking about. Uh, It's very interactive and so we have discussion and um, there'll be things for you to do. We're just starting it tonight. No one has read any parts of the book, so you're not behind. Tonight, you can show up. It's an introduction, and then we'll lay out the plan for going through the book together. We would love for you to be a part of that with us. It'll be here tonight at 6.30. Dustin will remind you in the announcements uh, before we leave today. But journey groups, they're not a Bible study. Bible studies are great. Journey groups are about building fellowship and gospel-centered community. And when we get together in our journey groups. We sit, share what we call our journey lines, your story, the story that makes you unique about what you've seen and heard and experienced in your life. Because one of the things that we value at this church is being known and knowing others. And so journey lines are when we share our journey lines in journey groups. It's an opportunity to be known and it's an opportunity to know others because gospel-centered fellowship is crucial to the Christian life. It's an opportunity to build that fellowship and that community so that when you need it, there's people who know you and love you and can help you grow and hold you accountable. So when you need it, there are people who know you and love you and can intercede for you in those moments when you need it. In those moments when you don't know how to pray or what to pray, there's people who know you and know how to pray for you. And so one of the reasons John wrote this letter is because he wanted to foster gospel-centered community among the people who are going to read and hear this letter. But that's not his only motivation. He says, so that, I'm writing these things so that you may have fellowship with us, and indeed, our fellowship was with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. That's gospel centered fellowship. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So that our joy may be complete. So, not only does he want to foster gospel centered fellowship and community, John also wants to help those who are going to read this letter build joy within this fellowship for when we face real life. And so here's what we see that John does. We, we start to see little glimpses of it in this introduction. We see that he goes back to the beginning of all beginnings, rooted in this eternal word and eternal life that's going to be become flesh, that, that John physically sees and hears and experiences and touches his very self, and so we start to see a pattern develop. And this pattern is going to guide our entire study of this letter. John loves to use patterns. If you've ever read his gospel, there are patterns throughout the gospel. One of the things that was valued among this culture in the first century was using numbers. Numbers held significant meaning, like the number seven uh, communicated wholeness or completion. And so in, God, in John's gospel, He has seven miracles by Jesus to show that he is the full or whole or complete God in the flesh. In the Gospel of John, there are seven times where Jesus says, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. Seven times. He loves to use patterns. And he does it in the Gospel, I mean, in his letters as well. And so you've seen this image Um, already as it sort of stands as our image for, for this series. But it's deeper than that because John's going to use a pattern of three to communicate his message, to lay the groundwork for what he wants to do for his readers. And it begins with foundational doctrine or foundational truth. And it's built upon the person and the work of Jesus. This person that John, you got to see him, he got to hear him, he got to experience him and touch him. And so John, what he's going to do, he's going to lay down some kind of foundational doctrine or truth in the letter. And then from there, he's going to build upon it. And he's going to talk about how that truth impacts our daily lives. That when we're a member of a fellowship, a gospel-centered fellowship or community how it impacts the way we live. And so after laying the foundation of some kind of doctrinal truth, he's then going to talk about how we live in obedience of that truth. And then from there, John's going to take it one step further, and he's going to give an impassioned encouragement. What we're going to see as we continue in through this letter is that John's readers, the churches that he's writing to, were facing some really difficult things. What we find is John routinely encouraging them to stay faithful in the face of hatred that they're experiencing from the outside world. He's going to encourage them to stay faithful in the midst of division that's happening within their own people and, and community. And he's also going to encourage them to stay focused on the foundational doctrines of the foundational truths and ignore false teaching. And here's why. Because there was a new teaching that was starting to emerge at this time, something that now, looking back in history, we call Gnosticism. And this was a, a, a philosophy, a way of seeing the world, a worldview that, that was very dualistic. There was the spiritual realm, and there was the physical realm. And what these Gnostic teachers would teach is that There is a divine peace or a divine spark or a peace of God inside everyone that's sort of asleep. And in order to wake it up, you need this special knowledge. You need a special knowledge. and It'll awaken something that's inside of you. And then you can pursue what really matters, which is the spiritual stuff. Because the physical world is evil and it's bad. And it started, these kinds of teachings started to creep into the life of the church. And John is trying to encourage his churches to not get caught up in it. Remember earlier how we noticed how John kept saying, I've seen Jesus, I've heard him, I've experienced him, I've touched him? Well, that's because for John, he wants to make it really, really important that everyone knows that Jesus actually became a human. That it was God in the flesh because Gnostic teaching taught that the physical world was evil and that a God would never become a human. And so they actually started teaching that Jesus was never human. He only appeared human. And so while in our society, um, a, a lot of hangups with people before um, coming to know and believe and follow Jesus is trying to wrap your mind around, was this historical person really God in the flesh? But in the first century, that was not their issue. In the first century, it was... Could God really become human? Surely He wouldn't, because humans and the physical world are evil and gross. And so they struggled believing not that Jesus was God, but that Jesus was human. And John starts making this huge emphasis so that everyone knows no, Jesus really was a human. I've seen Him, I've heard Him, I've experienced Him, I've touched Him. He was a real human. And so they were dealing with these challenges in the early church. And there were two responses. If if these teachers, these Gnostic teachers were right, then if the physical world doesn't matter and only the spiritual world, then there's two ways to respond. Either you completely reject and deny all your physical desires, or you fully embrace them because the physical world doesn't matter. And so as we'll see in the letters of John dealing with sin was a really big issue some people uh, were claiming to not even have sin because the only thing that mattered for them was spiritual others went to the extreme end and so we're going to see that John is going to have to wrestle with some of these things and what ties them all together is this these three words you're going to see and hear and read these three words over and over and over and over as we study these letters, light, love and life. If you have read the Gospel of John, if you remember, you, you know that those are three words that John loves to use a lot. And he's going to use them in this letter because he heard Jesus talk about them a lot. And these three words are going to tie in together all that John wants to teach us in this book. But here's where the plane lands and makes a connection for you and I this morning. And the first is, are you a part of gospel-centered community and fellowship? Not do you have a personal, private relationship with Jesus But are you living life with other people? Journey groups are a great opportunity to get that started if the answer is no for you. Dustin will give you more details about how those work and and how you can be a part of them. But here's the other thing that I want you to consider this morning. If Jesus was really God and became flesh, If he really came to this earth, how does that change your life? Not just what you believe, but how does it change your life? Not just are there a set of facts that you now agree to, but how does it change your life? Because for John, that's what matters. If Jesus really came. If this word of life was from the beginning of beginnings, and then one day he entered into human history and stepped foot on this earth, how does it impact your life today? That's what John wants you to discover. That's what John wants you to consider this morning. Let's pray. we come to you with a really serious question on our minds. If Jesus, this word of eternal life, really was from the beginning of beginnings, and he stepped foot on this earth, how does that change our lives? Right here, right now. Have we come to the place that we have embraced and believed in Jesus? God, come down into the flesh. I'm gonna ask you to keep your eyes closed for a minute. We're gonna enter into a time of response, an opportunity to worship, an opportunity to pray and to reflect and to think and an opportunity to go to the table where the bread and the cup await. An opportunity to remember why Jesus came to this earth. That he came to give his life. That on the night before his crucifixion, during his final supper with his followers, he took bread and broke it. This is my body broken for you. A cup that represents his blood poured out for us, a new covenant, a new way that we stand in fellowship with God and his son, Jesus. Jesus came to this earth and he came to die. And we go to the table to remember his death for us. I want to leave you with this. I want to go back to read the first two verses of 1 John 1. he came to die to offer life to us. Will you accept the life that he gave for you so that you may have eternal life? Lord, we come before you to worship you, to remember your sacrifice for us at the table with the bread and the cup. To give our lives to you because you gave your life for us. So, Lord, be honored by the ways in which we respond to you this morning. We love you and praise in your name. Amen. Will you stand with us as we sing together? <laughs>